Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. Our live Rangers and overall hockey fans, thank you guys so much for chiming in to the live stream or on replay wherever you get your podcast for Rangers Review episode 45. My apologies to everyone that's in here in the live stream a couple minutes late. Unfortunately, that happens at times given our hectic schedules, but we have planned to get into this episode a very positive episode for us Ranger fans. As the Rangers, they have won their past couple games, and Steven unfortunately does claim the belt, even though that, yes, if you guys know the drill with these episodes. We give our predictions at the end of the episode for the upcoming schedule for the next couple of games till we record again. And I picked the Rangers go 1-0-1 over their next couple of games. They went 2-0, and Steven won 0-1-1. But because of how we made it where if neither of us have the correct record, we do it by goal differential, and he had the higher in goals because he picked at least five goals scored. I picked at least four. Rangers ended up scoring six, and they only surrendered two. So, Steven, you have the title, but by no means do you deserve it. Let's be honest here. You didn't even have them picking at least one win. But it is what is. We got playing to get into. I'm excited about it. Going over these past couple games, that being games 38 and 39, to be exact for the Rangers, we'll be sharing our quick recap on those, our overall reactions as well to Rangers having Gerard Gallant back and getting some other players back. Really, most of the guys from the pro call list now. And now, really, the only one that's still out is Alexi Lafreniere. And talking also about Braden Schneider's debut and what a debut that was. We'll be getting into that shortly and plenty more. So shout out all you guys. If you're listening in the live stream, we'll be taking some questions towards the end of the episode. So make sure to stay tuned for that. And wherever you get your podcast, guys, thank you so much for chiming in. But Steven, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great. I won the belt back. So, yeah, I don't I don't care how much you value that or not. It's uh, it's like the Steelers winning Super Bowl 45. <laughs> or was it 50? I don't even know. I think it was 50. Sorry. The, the Steelers it's, it's winning okay. Super, Super Bowl 50 against, uh, or was it 40? I don't even know. The one where they played the Seahawks and they uh, and they got all these pass interference calls going, going in their favor. Um, doesn't matter. Is someone still upset about that Super Bowl? When Matt Hasselbeck as your QB, trust yeah. me, it was not it was not a QB clinic, to put it lightly. No, well, let's let's not even, let's not get into this. Okay, I um, won the belt, and you didn't, so it's all that matters. On top of that, the Rangers go two and zero. So, what's there to complain about? Ex- I'm exactly. a little bit upset that you get to recap the Sharks game, though, but I'll let it slide for now. Yeah, if for those that aren't aware. I'll be recapping the shark sharks game a little bit because the Flyers game, I was able to watch all the highlights, but I wasn't able to watch it live, unfortunately, because for those that don't know, I live closer to Philly than I do New York City. And because of that, I get all the games blacked out Philly related by me. It's really annoying. It is what it is, though. So, yes, that's why I want to hear more of your in-depth analysis about that game outside of what I saw in the highlights, everything that I could see to this point. 
But let's get into it now. Let's talk about this game. Also, big shout out to Yona, who's a great supporter on the channel with a $2 donation. Hyped uh, in the chat, the pod alive again. Yes, thank you so much for that, my friend. Really appreciate it. Also, shout out to our good friend in Hot Take Hockey. That being John. John is a great hockey content creator. Make sure to check him out. Mm -hmm. Subscribe to him if you haven't already, folks. He's excited because his Maple Leafs play the New York Rangers tonight. That being Wednesday, January 19th at the time of recording this. It's a big one. I'm excited for that one, too. But like I said, let's get into these games, folks. Let's talk about this Sharks game. This was the final game of the West Coast trip before the Rangers then went to Philly. And Thank this God. Thank God, indeed. Yes, Stephen, who lives in Dublin, Ireland, for those that aren't aware, uh, has been having to watch these games right around 3.30 in the morning, just as anyone would want to, right? So Stephen has been too happy about that. Neither have I. I mean, those late games aren't fun. Um, some of them I was able to do just fine working all day and then checking that out late at night, but they're still a little rough at times. So once you get to the third period, depending on how the pace of the game is going, I'm not feeling too hot. I will say that much, but talking about hot, that has been the Rangers at least over these couple games now and big win, massive win for them against the Sharks, the Sharks team that's been playing above expectations at times this season and the Rangers went in this one and the guys just kept producing the guys that you expect for the Rangers to produce were doing exactly that. And it started off. In the first period, as we all know by now, Rangers were in their zone. It was a start of a power play for the San Jose Sharks. And then a nice play off the faceoff by Kreider to bring up the puck to Zibanejad. Zibanejad along the right side. Kreider creates a nice two-on-one, giving his speed with ease. Kreider's right in the slot there, and he gets himself a goal. We looked right around five-hole on a hill, just squeaked through, and that was Kreider's 22nd of the year. Yes, this guy's getting close to 30 rates. Insane. 21 assists array for Zibanejad on the year that him with an apple and Fox was 32nd assist. The Rangers then go on to the second period sharks. Neither of them score. Rangers had some very good chances in this game though, including Kreider who had a almost sure goal right in front, did a little nice forehand backhand was not able to get it past Hill. However, so they continue to the third period. And this is where yes, Braden Schneider making his NHL debut, something that, both Steve and I were a little surprised by, you know, when Schneider was drafted, I thought, okay, I do think that he's going to be NHL ready within a couple of years. You were more along the stance of, okay, three to four really makes more sense for Schneider. And rightfully so. Normally defensemen take a little bit longer to develop, but the Rangers are not really feeling confident just yet with a Zach Jones, with a Niels Lundqvist. They ended up bringing up Brain Schneider. And then lo and behold, he plays in his first game in the West Coast trip and gets himself his first NHL goal in his first game, which is great to see. Right in the beginning of the third period, a nice little drop pack pass from Strom. He just snipes it. He had no clue where he was shooting. He said he was just trying to get on net and went in, had a nice little sell. He's so pumped for Schneider. He looked awfully impressive in this game that we'll be deep diving further in the episode. That's going to really be the highlight of this episode. Braden Schneider and his immediate impact, but his first of the season and his first game for the Rook, assisted by Ryan Strom, his 19th apple of the year, and Hedl was 7th apple. And we'll be talking about Hedl a little bit because he's been surprising a little bit lately for positive reasons, not negative, which is honestly a great thing to say. And then the Rangers capped off this win thanks to, yes, a Chris Kreider empty net for his 23rd of the year, assisted by Rooney for his third apple of the year. And the big story of this game wasn't just Chris Kreider, wasn't just Brain Schneider. It was the highlight reel saves left and right made by Igor Shosturkin. What a performance for Igor. A 37 save shutout. This guy, look, it doesn't matter how long he's been out. He's going to come back in there. He's going to ride for you. And just like that, the Rangers get another massive win with Igor. Uh, <clears throat> pardon me. Lost my voice for a second. With Igor at the pipe. So, Huge win for the Rangers. They got outshot 37-31, to but that didn't phase them. 
they got out face off 51 to 49%. So close face off percentage. I like that. Uh, neither of them scored on the power play. Hits favored the Rangers 21 to 11. Blocks favored the Rangers 14 to 11. And giveaways favored the Rangers 6 to 9. So, Stephen, what was your initial reaction to the short Sharks game? Because this was a massive one. I mean, to finish the West Coast trip like this, especially, you know, in, after not having that good game in Vegas, of course, and then doing well in that Anaheim game. You know, having some ups and downs, losing to the Canes in a game that they really should have won. It just looked like that they were losing some pieces. But getting Gallant back, getting guys back from uh, the COVID list to this point has definitely looked like it's helping this team. So what's your take on this victory over the Sharks? Uh, well, it reminded me a lot of the game against the Anaheim Ducks in that the Rangers played a very complete game. Um, they were able to build some sustained pressure. And this has been my criticism, as many of you know, my, the entire season. The Rangers often lack the ability to put the pressure on in the offensive zone. Um, enter the zone, get a couple of shots on goal. Not just get one shot on net and then have it be a glove save or have the the opposition clear the zone immediately. Now, this game, like the Anaheim Ducks game, the Rangers were able to uh, create sustained pressure in the offensive zone for more than 10 seconds. And that is how you win games. That is how you tire out your opponent, and that is how you, at the end of the game, how you have more more left in the tank and win those games. And, you know, uh, the Schneider goal was a perfect example uh, because that was that was the result of sustained pressure, just like the Tenorti goal and the Lindgren goal against the Anaheim Ducks. And uh, Schneider getting his first goal was great. I mean, uh, third youngest defenseman to ever uh, score on his debut for the Rangers. Um, but that, that's an amazing stat on its own. But to me, what really stands out is Ryan Strom, because Ryan Strom assisted on uh, five first ever NHL goals in his career and four as a Ranger. Um, I looked this up: uh, Libor Hayek's first goal, Capo Kako's first goal, Ryan Lindgren's first goal, and now Braden Schneider's first goal. So. Um, the guy he assisted on his first goal on before joining the Rangers was Brian Strait. So he assisted on on goals of players that you don't really expect to score goals aside from Capo Caco. Um, but this guy just does it all. The last player to assist on four first ever NHL goals as a Ranger was Sean Avery in 2010. Shad's my boy Sean. Love him or hate him. I've always and, been on the love it side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Sean Avery, I looked that up too for you guys. His, his assists on first NHL goals were on the first of Michael Sauer, Derek Stepan, Ryan Callahan, and Artem Anisimov. So it goes back to like 2008. Um, so, yeah, very impressive. Um, and, you know, looking into that even further, the Ranger with the most assists on first NHL goals, of course, is Brian Leach. I don't think anyone's surprised there uh, with 11. Uh, shared in second place is Rod Gilbert and Walt Kazak with eight. And then there's Brian Hextall, Andy Bathgate, Don Raleigh, and uh, Paul Ronty with seven. So there's, there's quite a few players still ahead of Ryan Strom. But if he sticks with the Rangers for another couple of years with all these young kids coming up, uh, he can get a couple more of these. Um, and yeah, I think Ryan Strom really shows his, his value here. Um, he may not be a first-line center. He may not be the guy that, that you build your team around. But in that in that secondary tier of value, I think Ryan Strom is a really good guy to have around. 
Well said. No, and, we've been on the and, ride train for a bit now. And I did it again during the game. I mentioned the word shutout with five minutes to Steven, go. you're just a piece of shit. Like I've established this by now. I don't there's nothing else that needs to be said on the jinxing front. All right. If you are actually a normal human being, you do not do or say the things that Steven does on a night to night basis when the Rangers play. I and did that's it again. There, and you got it again. There was no jinx. The Rangers got the shout out. Chef Jorkin got the shout out. And most importantly, with Chef Jorkin, uh, let me get that number up because I had that here too. Um, so through the first 69 career games of NHL goalies, Igor Chef Jorkin ranks second in save percentage. Behind wow. only Tim Dryden. So that's fantastic. That's that's something that's definitely interesting to uh, to mention. Yeah, uh, Rangers win. Rangers uh, get go two and one on the California trip. I think that's better than most fans expected because the California trip is always difficult for the Rangers. Um, so getting two wins out of three, that's that's something you take any day. Absolutely. Now, now let's pivot to the game that I unfortunately was not able to watch live. Yeah, but it wasn't for lack of effort. So, yeah, uh, Rangers uh, come back east. Uh, don't go home quite yet. They'll play home against Toronto tonight, of course. But their first game back in the Eastern Time Zone is in Philadelphia against the Flyers, and uh, they start off great. You know, there was all this talk before the game about Chris Knobloch, but you know he wasn't behind the bench because Gallant was cleared to. Uh, resume his duties. Um, but that didn't stop Mika Zibanejad from doing what he does best. Uh, Mika Zibanejad scoring against the Flyers. Uh, first first goal of the game on the power play after five minutes, assisted by Adam Fox and Artemi Panarin. And um, yeah, it was since joining the Rangers in 2010, uh, Zibanejad ranks third in the league in goals against the Flyers behind only David Pasternak and Sidney Crosby. So Nika Zibanejad definitely has uh, has something on the Flyers. Uh, whenever he plays that team, something's going on with him. He's and, been the Flyers' what, daddy for a hot minute now. Yeah, last season, of course, we had that 9 nothing and that 8-3 yep. game, I think. Huge games. Uh, and one of those games, he scored six, He had six points in one period, which is a franchise record. <laughs> insane. Um, and that, was, that was absolutely insane, yes, yes. Um, but unfortunately, the Rangers didn't go into the first intermission with the lead. Oscar Lindblom, assisted by Travis Konechny and Scott Lawton, tied it up. And then in the second in the second period, um, if you did not watch the game and you would have asked me uh, what should I skip on my rewatch, I would have said the second period because aside from two penalties, uh, one on Kevin Hayes and one on Keandre Miller, nothing of note happened at all in that period. But then you get to the third period, and the Flyers come out a little bit better than the Rangers. They really seem like they're into it. And then it's a first career NHL goal against the Rangers because that's what happens uh, by a guy named York. So it, you couldn't you couldn't have wrote it any better. Uh, I always say it's the easiest bet you can make in Vegas. A rookie player scoring their first NHL goal against the Rangers and rookie goaltenders getting a shutout against us. That's those yeah. are the two easiest bets you can make in Vegas. You couldn't you couldn't have expected the Rangers to only score over this trip with a rookie defenseman in his uh first season, could you? 
Of course, no. it had to be the other way around. You know, of they, it has to be the other it's way got around. we got to make ends meet here. You know, but to have a guy named York score his first against the Rangers, that's oh, of course, just rubbing salt. And in of the course, way. he's a redhead too, because all Flyers draft yeah. picks seem to be a redhead of and some I think nature. He also plays with number forty-five, so him and Schneider have that in common. That's true. Um, and they also have in common with today's episode. There you go. So we'll get to that in a minute. Yep. If people want to think of players with number 45, they know at least one. Uh, there's one they, they're going to think they know, but it doesn't really count, but we'll get into that the, at the end. Anyway, Flyers go up 2-1 uh, after about 10 minutes in the third, but it doesn't last long. 30 seconds later, Filipino, assisted by uh, Panarin and Strom, uh, ties it up 2-2. And then at, near the end, you know, a couple of minutes later, you know, in, in the later half of the third period, who else but Chris Kreider with his 24th goal of the season and another assist by Adam Fox. And, an assist by <laughs> and I'll say something about this Capo Caco secondary assist because not, not usually you don't really pay attention to secondary assists because most of the time they are just a lateral pass that doesn't really contribute to the goal. But in this case, Capo Caco goes behind the net um, skates past the net, and then passes it up, bounces off the boards, passes it to Fox, who then shoots and Kreider scores off a, off a redirection. I think that's one of the best examples you'll ever see of a secondary assist actually leading to a goal. Um, but yeah, the Rangers win at 3-2. The Rangers going 26-10-4, uh, I think. Is that their record now? Uh, Rangers are 25-10-4. and four. Sorry, 25, 10, and 4. Uh, so 39 games into the season, almost a halfway point. Their numbers are racking up. They're having a really solid season. Um, and, you know, I think this needs to be said. Morgan Barron, he is over 60% on faceoffs so far this season. He's 66. Um, Am I mistaken? 66% on faceoffs. Um, incredible. You know, this team has been struggling on faceoffs for over a decade. And in comes his rookie. He played, oh, how many games did he play last season? Like five? It, it was only a handful. Yeah, in comes his rookie. And he's just he's just winning two, two out of three faceoffs every time he steps on the ice. And that's just that's just incredible. If if there's one thing I would I would copy and paste from Morgan Barron to our other centers. It's it's his ability to win faceoffs. If the Rangers can somehow improve that with the rest of their center core, I think we are a much better team because a lot of the times the Rangers are on the back foot or the Rangers are under pressure. It's because they lose yep. faceoffs. They should be winning. And speaking of faceoffs, if you look at these past couple of games, at least they've been right around 50%. This game against Philly in particular, 50 and 50 apiece. Rangers had multiple games over this away trip where they had those same exact numbers. And they got outshot by one. It was 28 to 27 in favor of the Flyers. But the Rangers, again, executing on the power play. Thank you, Mika Zibanejad. That was just such a stereotypical Mika Zibanejad power play goal. And that's what you and I were preaching heavily last episode, how, you know, Panarin being back, that's fine. Just keep Panarin out of the way. Amika having yeah. the success being on the trend he's been on in that left dot. I really like what I'm seeing from Mika from there. If it ain't broke, why fix it, right? So just leave him there. He's having success. Great goal to start things off in that one against the Flyers. 
hits, flyers out hit the Rangers 33 to 23, even though Reeves was back, which is good. Blocks, Rangers uh, had more than the Flyers, 18 to 15, and giveaways favor the Rangers 7 to 9. So, to really just recap these past couple games for the Rangers, they're just getting it done. And as you alluded to in the Sharks game, there were similarities again in the sense of just being a more well, well rounded team. You know, having Galan back, having a lot of these key contributors back in the lineup is a big deal for this team that, you know, right now they're 15 games above 500. And I feel like it kind of hasn't settled in yet. I don't know. There's been something about this team this year where, yeah, they're they're typically top of the list. They're, they're tied in points with uh, Carolina for most of the Metro. They're currently second, though, because they have three uh, more games played than Carolina. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I feel like the Rangers, they haven't even been remotely close on the same level since they started this rebuild. They're on another level right now and getting consecutive wins. And I, I don't know. I just feel like maybe I'm in the minority here. But I feel like as a, as a diehard Rangers fan, it just hasn't kicked in fully yet. There's something about it. I'm not sure why. And I think it's a good thing, though, because they've been so good. They've been so consistent, even though that, yes, the consistency has been necessarily to the liking that we would want as fans every game of the year. As you and I have both said plenty, it's not necessarily about winning. It's about how you win, right? It's that context is key in everything in life, especially with how are you going to continue to win hockey games. But they're showing more often in these previous matchups as well that they're getting the job done and even some of the losses that they're having, it's losses where you have more to say about the Rangers' lack of effort knowing that they strictly need to, say, tweak things about their game versus saying that, oh, they just got completely outplayed. So I think that's a positive. When you are in the way of yourself, meaning that you are your worst enemy, that means that, yes, you really are on a level that's proving that, yeah, as long as everything's clicking full cylinders, as long as that group is healthy for the most part, you're going to continue to have success. And we're seeing more and more of that. And Again, another very strong game that we saw here from Igor Shosturkin, 25 and 27 saves in Philly. He just continues to be dominant right now. And when you look at the Rangers as a whole over these past couple games, look at the goal scoring. Chris Kreider just doesn't stop scoring goals. This guy already is 24. The most Kreider has had in his career. Correct me if I'm wrong here. I do believe it's 28, right? 28, yeah. Yeah. So he has 20 he has 24 he's four away from his career high tying it. Three goals over his past uh, th- uh two games for me. He leads that, the Rangers in that column point wise. Yeah. Adam so Fox. That's of, so so that's one of the things that really stands out to me when the schedule got harder, Quiet didn't stop, didn't stop scoring. Exactly. Because he didn't go on that schedule, long slump. I've always said after the second Blackhawks game in early December, the schedule was going to get a lot harder. And since that game, the Rangers have played 15 games and they are 8-6-1, and one, which is still good. But it's not as – I mean, that's not the same kind of record as you see for the entire season so far. So there is a little bit of caution, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, by no means am I jumping you know, for joy saying we're winning at no. all this season. The schedule got harder as we predicted. And as a result, our record has slightly slightly decreased. We are still 25, 10, and 4, I think. Yep. Like, overtime losses don't really count because it's one point you get for one game. So in terms of, of calculating how many games you are over or under 500, those, those games don't count. But so the Rangers are 15 games over 500. But over the last 15 games... They're only eight, six, and one. So that's something mm-hmm. to keep in mind. That doesn't mean that the Rangers will not overcome this. I mean, players get better. Players get more comfortable. 
you know, we have we've had rookie players on this team. You know, we we just went through a couple of weeks where we were missing players through COVID, and it was terrible. Um, so it'll get better, and and I'm I'm convinced that this is a playoff team. How this team will do in the playoffs will probably depend on how we do at the at the deadline. Um, and with the way we're playing now, I'm con- I'm pretty much convinced that Drury will be a buyer at the deadline. Um, to what he degree. will, but but let let's let's to what degree I cannot say, for one uh, second before we get to that part because I, I do yeah. want to talk a little bit in today's episode about that. Before we go there, I just want to talk about you know development of these players and guys that are starting to stand up a little bit more. And let's give, you know, a nod of appreciation to Philip Heedle, first and foremost. Heedle, who had two points in the past two games, also is on a, a low, a very low-key four-game point streak. You wouldn't think mm-hmm. that when you think Philip Heedle, but look at how he's progressed with being on the wing. It kind of proves you that, yeah, Heedle on the wing is looking like it's making more sense, at least as of late, than it is at the face-off dot. And then when you're looking at other production, of course, Mika's manager is still killing it. Yeah, himself two points over the past two games, including a goal and assist. Panarin, who looked fantastic from everything I saw uh, for him in the Philly game, had himself two apples. Uh, Adam Fox, three assists over the past two games. And Ryan Strom, two assists over the past two games. So the production's been there, but especially with those younger guys like Heedle, I want to know for a second uh, from your stance, what has your um, outlook been on someone like him? Who, again, who we have rightfully critiqued plenty this year. It's nice to see him kind of get in a groove. And he's not the only one with a point streak. Mika's manager is on a five-game point streak as well. A little sneaky, but Mika's been so hot for a while now, I feel like. But Heedle's that big surprise. So what's your take on him right now? And then kind of transitioning then into what you were alluding to regarding how the Rangers are going to go about potentially addressing this roster come the trade deadline. Yeah. Yeah, so first of all, Zabanajad is on pace for 12 goals in the month of January, uh, which would be the second highest in franchise history in the month of January if he gets there. Wasn't is what month is he? Uh, I'm trying to think. Zabanajad, didn't he have, was it, shoot. I think it was March. 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 It was March a couple of years ago. Yep. 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 But, the, but that included the five goal game. Mm hmm. And last season, it included the six-point game in one period. So those those games really inflate his average. Um, but what's interesting to me is that last season, Zibanejad really heated up at the 30% mark of the season. And it's the same thing this season. Yep. Um, but, yeah, m- moving on to Hedl. I've been saying this for years. And, and I watched Hedl before he got drafted. I had the pleasure of of living close enough to him that I could watch him a couple of times. He always played on the wing and he always played really well on the wing. And then when he was drafted by the Rangers, he was forced into a center role. But every time he was playing for the Czech national team in the Euro hockey tour, he was playing on the wing again. And that's where he played his best games. And, and I know that he might want to play center because it's the more prestigious position in hockey just like the number 10 spot in soccer is, is you know, the, the, the spot you want to play or being a quarterback in football. But if you're not good enough to play in that position, then, then you're just not good enough. And this happened to other players in the past too. Look at JT Miller. JT Miller wanted to play center, and it just didn't work out. And then he moved yep. to the wing, and, and, and then he became a point-per-game player. I think there's still a future for Heal in New York. If he can 
over the next couple of weeks, if he can really show what he can do on the wing, I think there's still a future for him. But it might be too late because we might already be in a situation where Hedl and also Patrick Nemeth have to be moved to generate cap space. And if Drury really wants to go for go go for it at the deadline, and if he wants to acquire a center, it makes a lot of sense to move Hedl in one of those trades. Let's say you go after a guy like JT Miller, for instance. The piece they would want back is a first-round pick, definitely, and then a good young player. But the Rangers, we already know this. They aren't they aren't trading their defensemen because those defensemen were off limits for Jack Eichel. So what you're left with is Kraftsov and Heal. And for another team, center always makes more sense. And they still see him as a center, just like the Rangers still see him as a center. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but I am impressed with how he's performed the last couple of weeks. And he has been producing the last four games. So that's great. Let's see if he can keep this up because, as we all know from experience, uh, Hedl's hot streaks usually end after five or six games. Yeah. Normally, he just has this ridiculous tear where he's looking yeah. like, you know, a top six player. And then he just goes back and you don't know where, he, where he went. And during that tear, he had that amazing goal against the Bruins where he knocked out Tuka Rask. Yep. And I think he had like five goals in six games that stretch. And everyone was like, okay, this is it. This is his breakthrough. And then nothing. It's frustrating as fans, you know, because we 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 so desperately want one of our forwards to work out. Yeah, no, you're right. Especially when you look at how the Rangers have went about this rebuild. It's been forward heavy more than anything. You know, the mm-hmm. defensemen are finally starting to come into the reins, but Adam Fox wasn't part of the rebuild in the sense of we drafted him and we took the time to develop him. He was a guy that was basically ready to go as soon as we traded for him. Ryan Lindgren, again, you still had to trade to acquire him at the end of the day when he's someone that was already getting started in his young development. So when you look at what the Rangers have done drafting-wise, Leah Sanderson, Philip Hedl, Capo Caco, Alexi Lafreniere, how many of those have really been like, wow, okay, like this is this is a big deal? Not none of them so far. And again, reason games. Pardon? The only the only first round pick that has really stood out is Braden Schneider, but it has only been two games. So exactly. It's it's, it's easy it's easy for a first round pick to stand out when he's had such a small sample size. And exactly, I want yeah. I want to discuss Schneider here in a second with you because I'm curious to hear what your take has been on him versus Jones and. Niels when they first had their games for the Rangers this year. Mm-hmm. But before we get there, again, when you look at the Rangers and their development, something as a young fan for myself, I've always been wanting to see the Rangers have that homegrown guy. It's it's There's a different feeling for it. I got that taste with Chris Kreider back a decade ago, and I haven't looked back. That was such an amazing feeling for the Rangers to have a top talent come in playoffs right away and just dominate the way that he did. You have other guys that really have their hot streaks at times, whether it be a Carl Hagelin. You can make an argument for Zuccarello, even though that he wasn't drafted from Norway. We know that story. But for me, that first real guy other than Kreider was Pavel Buchnevich. 
And right when Booch was finally hitting his prime, the Rangers parted with him because they felt that he's not someone that they'll be able to have a future with, given the money that they're dealing with, which understandably so, again, wasn't a good trade at all, but I understand the reasons as to why the Rangers were looking to part with him. Now here we have a situation where another guy that I really liked a lot prior, Anthony Duclair, same thing. They parted with him early, and Duclair, who's been up and down in his career, has been more consistent in recent years in a nice spot with Florida, and I'm happy for him. Point being is that the Rangers have yet to establish themselves when they've had numerous opportunities of drafting young, high-profile forwards. And I do think we're going to see the best out of Alexi Lafreniere. As we were, I really was liking what I was seeing from his game lean up until he unfortunately got on the COVID list. Capo Caco, who has not stood out that much to me in a little bit now, unfortunately, I still see him taking the body really well and so hard to get off the puck. Just waiting for that point production to really start to hit that next level. I'm not concerned with them, but yes, they have been underwhelming at times, and the Rangers as a whole have with developing these forwards. But outside of forwards, defensively, Rangers have historically have done a great job for a bit now. My entire life as a Ranger fan, they have been kicking it like no tomorrow with young defensemen. Whether it's a young Mark Stahl, a young Dan Girardi, a young Ryan McDonough, now looking at the new age, of course, not just an Adam Fox, but Ryan Lindgren. And now you have these new kids. And with the newest kid on the block and Brandon Schneider against Steven, what has your take been on him? Because from my, what I saw in that San Jose game, looked like a kid who was really excited to be there, who was throwing his body really well, and just looked comfortable. He did not look like someone that was out of place. And that's something that you normally see with a lot of players making their debut. And in the Philly game, from everything that I saw, he looked fine. I don't love him paired with Nemeth whatsoever. I think that's going to be a detriment to his success and personal development. But, you know, need I say more? So what's your take on Braden Schneider and how he has compared and his very short sample size versus the other two young defensemen that have hit the NHL this season? Yeah, I think the most noticeable thing about Braden Schneider is also what coaches love in in the NHL, and that's that you know he's big, uh, he doesn't shy away from contact. But what really stands out to me is that he doesn't seem afraid to make mistakes. Whereas when you see Lundqvist and Jones, they are a little bit cautious. You know, they don't want to be they don't want to be caught in a position where you know they're overpowered or where their play leads to a turnover. Whereas Braden Schneider plays with the confidence of, of an NHL defenseman. Um, I wish Keandre Miller played the way Braden Schneider plays because he has that frame and he just doesn't use it to, to the point that Schneider uses it. That that's Schneider, It's crazy that you even said that given Schneider's only played two games, but yeah. there's only been very few games where I feel that I've seen Miller exemplify a confidence in his game that we saw from Schneider, you know, mm. right from the jump. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and when you look at Schneider, um, I mean, the first game, of course, his performance is elevated by scoring that goal. Um, that doesn't mean that he was bad. It just means that he had an, he had, he had a decent game and because of the goal, people think he was amazing. And I don't think he was, I don't think he was as amazing where you go, okay, he didn't do anything wrong. I mean, there's still lessons to be learned here. And it's still a guy who only played two games in the NHL and only played, I think, 25 games at the pro level. Um, so we'll see what happens in the coming games because we, we've seen this all too often where a player starts off with a good couple of games and then falls off a cliff. 
So if Schneider can keep this up for another 10 games, let's say, um, then I think I think it's going to look really good on him. Um, and yeah, the next couple of weeks is going to be integral because he's going to play at, at Madison Square Garden. And he's going to be part of, you know, the whole vibe in New York and then traveling from New York elsewhere. And, and I think in a way, making your debut on a road trip um, actually takes off some of the pressure for a kid like Schneider. Yeah, I think it absolutely does. You know, it's not like it's easy just waltz in Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena, and think, oh, you know, no pressure. If if I'm being quite frank, just in my personal opinion, as someone who is not Braden Schneider at all, um, I would prefer to have my debut with a team like the San Jose Sharks, like in San Jose, something and, like that makes a lot more and, sense. And this is this is not a Rangers thing, or this is not a Madison Square Garden thing. But think about this. You know, you're 18 years old. You get drafted by, let's pick a random NHL team, the Nashville Predator, right? Sure. You get drafted by the Nashville Predators at age 18. They invite you to their prospect camp. They give you a tour of the arena, the Bridgestone Arena, which is actually a really nice arena, by the way. If people haven't haven't made the Nashville yet, put it on your bucket list. It's, it's a great experience to go to a hockey game. So you get this tour of Bridgestone Arena. Uh, where you get to go into all the lounges and all the suites and, you know, you do this whole tour where where you, you get to see all these things behind the scenes and you get to go into the locker room before you were even an NHL player. Now, fast forward two, three years, you're under contract, you get called up from the minors and you walk into that same stadium. That stadium where you walked in as an 18-year-old and you were like, oh, wow. And now all of a sudden you're there as a player. That's going to hit you in a way, regardless of what the arena is, regardless of what the team you're playing for is. Because at a younger age, a couple of years prior, you walked into that arena as just a kid. And now you walk back into that arena as a player that goes out there on the ice. And I think that 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 puts some extra pressure on a player. So if as an 18 or 19 or 20 or 21 year old kid, you get to make your NHL debut away from home in a road game. Yeah, I do think that takes the pressure off a little bit. I I tend to agree with you for sure. And, and again, it's not like playing at MSG or with the Rangers as a debut is by no means an easy thing. Yes, these kids are professionals, but it's like anything else. It's a it's a lot of pressure. It's a big deal, and I think that's something that gets so overlooked by fans in a nutshell when you're especially if you're a fan of every single sports team in New York whether it's you know football Giants or Jets right baseball Mets Yankees hockey you know the story there etc point being is that this is a big effing market this is a big deal and there's always constant pressure more than you would get basically anywhere else uh, in this country so to suggest that everything's going to be smooth sailing right away isn't always the case and I, I think the more fans are wary of that understanding of the pressure that's automatically on their shoulders and i mean just for rookies but for any player that first comes mm -hmm. in in new york um you know it, it's it's a good thing to understand because it is very much reality with a lot of players who have that adjustment period and there are players that there are plenty that even don't develop well or feel that they can't thrive because they just can't handle it i think jt miller is a great example if you know miller's story from everything that i've seen miller was someone where you know I think you talked to me about this too, where he would go out, he'd have that more of that party lifestyle when he was with the Rangers. You know, he'd be out late at the bar after games. 
really not focusing on himself because as a young man, when you're introduced to this lavish lifestyle, it's easy to get caught up away in it. So then when he went from Tampa and then Tampa to Vancouver, that's really where he had a change of heart because the style was completely different there. He had he had no incentive, no reason to go out and do the silly things that he was previously doing on game night, especially. He kind of just honed in and finally woke up and realized that, you know, I'm determined as ever to just focus on hockey. This is what I'm here for. And I, I love that about JT. I'm so happy that he's figured himself out. Um, but he's just a, he's one of many examples of players that, yeah, it you know, it's kind of, you know, you have your positives, but you can definitely have your negatives when you're in a big market, big city like this. Um, but sure. before we yeah. go any further, uh, I want to ask you, are there any significant prospect updates of recent that you would like to share with us? Um, well, it's it's more of the same, to be honest. You know, it's it's the, it's the big three. Um, Brennan Hoffman, Ryder Korsak, Brett Verard. Um, you know, they're, they're just playing really well. Um, but the one guy I want to mention that I haven't talked about a lot in, in recent weeks is uh, Brody Lamb. Um, Brody Lamb had a slow start to the season. I think he had three goals in his first 30 games. And then he followed it up with seven goals in his last 10. Um, so he's been, he's been like stepping it up a little bit in the USHL for the Green Bay Gamblers. And I think that's a really good thing. Uh, this is a kid that's, his rights only expire in five years. So they have no rush at all with this kid. And this it was a fourth round pick. High upside, one of the youngest players in his draft class. So for him to show this type of talent at the next level, going from high school hockey to the USHL, that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, most not most notably, uh, Brandon Hoffman. Uh, the guy scored his 26th goal last last night. He is now ranked second in goals in the OHL behind only a guy who's two years older than him. And um, I still firmly believe that he's going to be on the Rangers next season. Often. That, that's your hot take. That's, I you know I don't blame you. You've been following him literally since day one. And by all means, if that does come to fruition, given the circumstances, it's not necessarily just for the sake of, you know, dominating where he's been right now, but rather because of the fact that there's really no benefit for him staying in juniors. Yeah. Right. It's like it, compare it a little bit to, Lafreniere in his first year. You know, there's no reason for him to, to, to play in the OHL. You've already outgrown your level there. And you're not eligible to play in the AHL. So what's the, what's the logical step then? The team basically has a choice here. Do they want him in the OHL for another year where he has nothing left to prove? Or do they burn a year off his ELC, keep him on the team in the NHL, and have him learn and develop on the team. Yes, you're burning a year off his ELC, but burning a year is not always a negative, you know, and this is something that I think a lot of fans underestimate or, or just aren't aware of. Uh, burning a year of an ELC can also be a positive because you get to sign the player to an extension a year early. You get to sign him at, at age 22 instead of 23. And depending on just how good that player and their impact is right away. Yeah. That could if, be that crucial. Player, if that player has a career year at age 22, then if you, if you decided to, to not burn that year of his ELC, all of a sudden you're going to look at a, at a much bigger, bigger number to extend them. 
So, and of course, this is all theoretical. We never know which players are going to be that kind of player, but it's not always a given that burning a year off of an entry-level contract is a bad thing. And and I think the Rangers are really considering it at least. You know, they 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 hired a professional trainer to help him with the skating this season. They've already made arrangements for him to come over to Connecticut to to practice with Ben Prentice and Chris Kreider and some of the other players. So, you know, the dedication and the investment's already there from the team. It's not far-fetched to think that the team will 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 keep him in New York. That's that's my take. Um, Ryder Korzak, I think Ryder Korzak is going to sign his contract, uh, play in Hartford next season with Will Cooley. I agree with that take. He's doing really and, well. And because, uh, of course, Ryder Korzak was born before December 31st. So he's one of the older guys in the draft class. And because he is, he is AHL eligible next season, unlike Brennan Offen. Awesome. Um, then there's Brett Berard, who plays in college for the Providence Friars. Love that uh, who could turn pro at the end of the season, but he has indicated that he wants to stay another year to play with his younger brother. Now, that doesn't mean he's necessarily going to stay with his younger brother, but uh, look at Zach Jones. Zach Jones said he fully expected to play his junior year in college. And then the Rangers approached him. They offered him a really good deal where they burned a year off his ELC which basically means as a player, you get your signing bonus paid out twice in the span of four months. Uh, that can be enticing to a player, especially a player coming from college where you never made a dime playing hockey. So we'll see what happens there. Other than that, uh, no really noteworthy performances the last couple of weeks. Unfortunately, Jaden Gruby is still a little bit eh. Uh, I think he has one goal in his last 20 games. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, but he did have an ACL surgery over the summer, so maybe he's still, you know, catching up after after recovering from that. Um, yeah, and then in terms of goaltending, there's Talon Boyko and Dylan Garant in the WHL. Dylan Garant already signed, so he's going to be in Hartford or Jacksonville next year. Um, I think Talon Boyko might stay another year in juniors. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, especially with uh boyko because i don't i don't have a great background on him to this point but i know that with korzak he's someone that i'm i'm intrigued by we're gonna see how he does for the remainder of this season and of course brand off and just lean the way i know you've spoken so glowingly of him to this point uh those pieces are important to me everyone is but you know the guys that i feel like are those those the top tier list uh mm-hmm. player wise for the rangers that are still forwards with often with korzak with cooley um, and with some other pieces too. So I'm excited. I'm very interested to see how guys also in the Wolfpack are going to continue doing Payunemi because, um, of course, he was with the Rangers for uh, a short time. Um, there was some belief that maybe he was going to play in that Sharks game that transpired. No, it ended up uh, going to the Queens native, which was really cool. I would have liked to see him with the Rangers a little bit longer. Um, what a story. You know, his father, unfortunately, had passed. I don't know exactly how long ago from um, post uh, 9-11 uh, symptoms uh, from being... He, yeah. he passed away in 2020. Wow. Yeah. It just... What, what a story. I mean, literally, as New York as you can get, especially yeah. as a hockey yeah. player, come into the Rangers organization. Grew up a Rangers fan. It, yeah. it, it's a great it, it's a great thing for Greco, who's yeah. who I've always been a fan of Greco prior to he 
prior to him joining the Rangers organization because he's just been a high flyer. He's one of those guys that's a speed demon in the AHL, has been an AHL All-Star at least once, I think multiple times now, has put up some very respectable points. Um, Just one of those guys that's kind of been in that limbo, hasn't been able to get over the hump. Uh, but he looked perfectly fine. He was he was giving the body in in the matchup for the against the San Jose Sharks, and unfortunately he was uh, taken off the roster right after that matchup. But it was nice to see him at least get a little taste of the Rangers, and hopefully it won't be the last time this season. Because um, by no means did, did I have an issue with what I saw from him. No, first ever player from Queens to play for the Rangers, so that's something to uh, to be proud of. Very cool. Um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to call it the way I see it. Um, against the Sharks, the Rangers played with six players who started their season in Hartford. And five of them were player were better than Greg McKegg, who is number six. Yeah. I, mean, um, I, I think it's been established by now, uh, McKegg. How, and... how Morgan Barron and Anthony Greco and Tim Gettinger and Johnny Brodzinski are not playing – on the Rangers over Greg McKegg, I just don't understand. I just don't get it. It's it's that very stereotypical veteran. That's all. That's all that is. It, it happens every single year, Stephen. We yeah. we know that by now. We shouldn't say we don't get it because we do it get it. It doesn't get less frustrating now. <laughs> I, I can I can agree. It doesn't get less frustrating, but by no means should you be surprised. Okay, if we're surprised no. by a player uh, getting consistent consistent ice time that maybe shouldn't be. Then by all means, don't even be a hockey fan. <laughs> I've been through years where we played Chris Newbury and Daryl Poe and Aaron Asham, and this was a washed-up Aaron Asham, not not New York Islanders or Pittsburgh Penguins. Aaron Asham, um, you know Brandon Machinter and Ben Ferrero and uh, Matt Pumple. Steven, I Cole, think you said some Cole names McLeod. in there that actually are going to help me for uh, today's episode. Oh shit! Yes. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, no, yeah. I guess I made it a little easier for you today. All right, keep going. No, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm okay, done. Okay. I'm done. I'm done naming fourth liners because okay. yeah, yeah. No, okay. but it's it's just it, it would be nice to have you know to have a coach that really trusts younger players for once because I think Morgan Barron's ready. I think Morgan Bar- Barron's ready too. Yeah. I think that he should continue anyway, to stay on the squad. Could you give me one minute? I'll be back in one minute. Yeah, Go yeah, on. sure. I'm going to start taking some questions while you All do right. that. That's perfectly yeah. fine. Okay, well, Steven's going to go and do his thing, and not like we have an episode we're recording live or anything. Um, So I'm going to be answering some questions during this span before we get on to the upcoming schedule for the Rangers and wrap things up with uh, the previous players that have worn number 45. Um, So let's get into it. I already see some questions here in the chat. Uh, Let's see. Here's Jay. How's it going, Jay? He says, Rory, do you think the Rangers keep Jones and Niels since, since they have such similar skill sets? I'm not sure exactly what you mean keep. Um, Do you mean keep in the sense of not trading them? If that's what you're saying, I would say yes. I don't see the Rangers trading either of these defensemen Um, in the near future, at least. Uh, If you're saying keep as in on the roster, well, neither of them are on the roster right now for the Rangers. They're both in Hartford. Uh, So, yeah, I I know that Schneider is the only one currently with the Rangers that's playing. Um, I do expect the Rangers to 
have one of Jones and Neal's gain some more time throughout. I think the Raiders are going to kind of continue to rotate to see what works in that bottom pair of the young defensemen. But Schneider, so far, looks like that he's leading the way to get more ice time until he proves Golan. Otherwise, or, you know, inevitable things happen if other players get injured or sick or anything like that. Then that's, of course, where call-ups will be more uh, warranted. Um, let's see here again, guys, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns as we're in the live stream, by all means, uh, send them my way. Any re- no worries. Any realistic future draft picks that pique your interest? Uh, what do you mean by that? Exactly. Yona. Oh, oh, I know one from Finland that I'm, that I'd be intrigued by if we pick late in the first round. Oh, okay. So he's talking about potential players that we could pick is what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay, then you go ahead because I have yet to deep dive the upcoming draft. I have not. Yeah, there's, 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 been, there's been a player from Finland, although he doesn't really sound Finnish, who has been dropping in the rankings recently. Um, And, you know, he might fall to the range depending on where we get eliminated in the playoffs, depending on where he falls. But uh, Brad Lambert. Um, <laughs> kind of a big deal. That's the one name I actually know, Stephen. I've known that name for over two years. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so if he drops, he would be the third Finnish player in a row to fall outside of a top five pick after being projected there. Yeah, Raddy was last season, right? And then before that, Anton Lindell. And Lindell is the best out of those three as of now. Oh, it's on the otherwise. I'm so happy I was right about Lundell. I'm so happy. I kept telling people he's a top five talent in his draft, and he's he's proving me right every time. Every time he was he was my favorite player in that draft. Yeah, every time he's on the ice, and yeah. I got to meet him a couple of times. You know, super sweet kid. Um, and you know, I'm just happy for him. But if if Brett Lambert falls that far, and the Rangers have a pick where they can actually select him, uh, that's just that's a slam dunk pick for the Rangers. The Rangers need a player like him. What has his development been like to potentially cause this drop? Um, well, there has been there have been a couple of injuries, but also uh, some issues with him switching teams, which to some NHL organizations might be red flags. Um, so he started with uh, Lahti, uh, their team is called the Pelicans, uh, and then he played he played for their junior team. And then he uh, moved to uh, IFK in Helsinki. Okay. And then he didn't get enough playing time there, so he went to this team called, and I really hope I pronounce this right, because this is in response to a Finnish guy. Uh, their team's name is uh, Yep JYP. And I'm okay. not even going pro- to pronounce the city where they're from, because that's even too much for me. Um, wow, that's saying a lot. Yes. But there's this player on that team, I think his name is Kemmel, who has outplayed Brad Lambert, and he's probably going to be top five in this draft. Okay. So now with that, with his team being basically eliminated from the playoffs, his former team from Lahti, the Pelicans, they are in a playoff spot. You know, they're struggling offensively. So he requested to have his contract terminated so he can sign with Lahti to be part of their of their run for the playoffs um i don't consider that a bad thing you know if, if a player wants to chase some success early on in his career 
uh, do it while you can, because once you get to the NHL, you don't get to pick and choose where you go. Um, so yeah, if, if he falls to the Rangers, that's, that's the type of guy, especially when you draft late in the first round, you know, if you can get a high upside pick there, you go for it. The Bruins did it with Pasternak in, I think, 2014. Um, and, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Um, Joe Villano dropped in 20, what was it, 2018, all the way to the end of the first round for, yep. the, uh, for the Red Wings. Eli Tolvanen uh, was considered a top three European pick in 2017. And he fell all the way to the Nashville Predators at, like, I think, 30th overall. And he's finally starting to get in a rhythm in his NHL been, career. It's been four and a half years, and he's finally getting there. So, yeah, yep. it's also a lesson that sometimes players need time. But, you know, if the Rangers really need to make need, need to figure out what they want in this draft. And it's really too early to say who they're going to go for. The last couple of years, it, it was always easy, you know. Um, oh, they're gonna be they're gonna be like in 2019. They're gonna be a top 10 pick. So here are five players to keep an eye out on. And then they win the draft lottery and they get Capocaco. But if they don't win the draft lottery, you're talking about Cousins, uh, uh, Zegers, you know, uh, Podkolz in those kind of players. So you know a little bit what to look for. And uh, I will say this is probably a good thing in hindsight because when you look at how the Rangers have went development wise so far. There's a lot of question marks. You know, they've done really well on certain routes and they've done underwhelming others and just what expectations ha- have been to this point, how they've yeah. been met or not. You know, depending on, of course, what player we're discussing, they definitely vary. So for the Rangers kind of go back into the Rangers of old, the Sather era, where they're if they have a first round pick, which they normally trade away, if they don't, it's going to be towards the latter half of that first round. Let's see them get creative because Rangers have done very well. In years past, in the in the latter half of the first yeah. round, or or in middle rounds, so if, I, if I'm look, curious to see at, how the development yeah. is going to be for them and uh, their scouting with making these type of picks again and not having to focus uh, for top five picks as they have had in previous yeah. years. If you look at the first rounders they had before they started giving them away, uh, you had Brady Shea, I think 28th overall in 2012. He's a top four defenseman in the league. Um. And then, you know, 2011, you get JT Miller, 15th overall. He's a top six forward in the league. Um, and then 2010, of course, McElrath, um, that, that's a dud. There, there's no, no arguing there. But that was 10th overall. That was maybe a little bit too high for the Rangers. 2009, they get Chris Kreider, 19th overall. Yep. And that was actually when, when experts were saying that the, the best players on the board were uh, Jacob Josephson and Jordan Schroeder. Who and who? <laughs> exactly. Josephson was drafted by the Devils, played a couple, played, played, played a fair fair amount of games in the NHL, but went back to Europe. And Jordan Schroeder was, I think, drafted by the Canucks. Um, he was basically a World Junior star. He led the World Juniors in scoring, I think, three years in a row. But never really got to showcase that in the NHL. And I think right now he plays for Jokerit in the KHL. Um, so the Rangers picked the right player there. The Rangers got Chris Kreider, who is now on pace to score 50 goals this season. He's not going to get there, but he's on pace for it. Yeah, he's going to get 49, obviously. Oh, it's 49. <laughs> I'll take it. 
Whatever, I'll, take it. <laughs> I'll, I'll settle take with it. it. Fine. <laughs> only listen. Only three players in Rangers history have scored fifty goals for us in a single season. Yeah. You know which three they are, right? I I can definitely say two, three off the top of my head. So, Graves. Yeah. Yager. Yeah. And I want to say, it's. I want to say the last one is Mr. Ranger. Mr. Ranger. No, it's Rattel. Let me let me just. Oh, Rattel. Okay. Let me, let me say. Uh, sorry, Hatfield. Hatfield. Fifty. Oh, okay. It, it was okay. Yeah, just wanted to make sure I got the right name there because gotcha. I always make up hat mix up Hatfield and Rattel because I wasn't old enough to watch them play. Yeah, not you yeah. know, not I was off by a little bit. To me. To me, it's always Roger Bear, number seven, because his number was in the rafters ever since I watched as a kid. Mm-hmm. And then the other two are Rattel and Hatfield. And I always I always forget which one was the center and which one was the other winger. And I always forget which one got the 50 goals and which one got the top the, the highest point per game average in a season. Gotcha. It's, to me, Hatfield and Rattel are are just two stars. But I just, I don't know. I, I struggle keeping them apart in terms of what they accomplished. Because they accomplished so much as a Ranger. Um, oh, I yeah. know. Yeah, we don't need, that That line was tremendous. No. That, that helped anyway. build the foundation for this. And you team. know what? I'm, I'm going to say, look, I complain about this organization a lot because they make so many mistakes. And sometimes they don't even try. The fact that they put Gilbert, Hatfield, and Rattel together in the rafters. Is awesome. That's a stroke of genius. Yeah. It, it may Keep have been that line obvious. together forever. It may have been obvious, but that was the right thing to do. Only thing is, they maybe should have put uh, the center in the middle because I think Hatfield is in the middle and Rattel's on the wing. And they, on the right side. I, think, I, I get what you're saying, but they did it in accordance with when they were actually given their retired numbers. Uh, I thought they did it. No, no, that's not true because Rattel was retired first. So they, so oh. the, so they do it in order of the numbers: seven, eleven, nineteen. Oh, uh, okay. So they have they have a reasoning for it, yeah, regardless. It still makes sense, but yeah, I'm still happy that those three numbers are separate from all the other numbers that are retired. Yes. No, I uh, agree. But beer before we expand on this tangent, I want to yeah. answer at least one or two more questions before we get to the upcoming schedule. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Raphael, thank you so much for uh, the comment. Any chance we can package Kravtsov with a pick uh, to get a solid mid-tier two-way forward in his late 20s? Good question. Now, this is, this is something that I do feel can be somewhat feasible when you look at what the Rangers are looking to acquire. Um What's your take on this? I, I would say that, yeah, there's definitely a possibility that the Rangers could go down a route like this. Um, I also know, however, that if they can rekindle that relationship with Vitali, um, then they will surely try to do so, given the fact that the Rangers have been struggling. The Rangers could use a Vitali Kravtsov type the years to come, where Dryden Hunt has been placed this season, um, you know, for comparisons. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not like you trade uh, Pavel Buchnevich away because you felt you had uh, perfect depth at the right wing position or anything. So uh, take yeah. it away, Steven. So if there are four scenarios uh, on what to do with Kravtsov, here's how, how I would rank them. In fourth place would be trading him for a draft pick because at this point, I don't think you're going to get more than a, than a high second round pick. So that's a worst case scenario. In third place, I have 
trading for a similar prospect. And the reason I have that option also quite low is because you never know how that prospect's going to turn out. Now, in second place, I have trading Kraftsoft as part of a package for an established player who can help you win. You're not going to get a star player, but like Raphael said, you're going to get maybe like a solid second line player, a Ryan Strong caliber player, if you will. Yep. My top option for Kraftsoft is still to keep him. Uh, let him play and let him show what he can do. And and the talent's still there. We all know this. Uh, the longer this goes on, the less likely I consider that option. So if the Rangers have an opportunity to package him with maybe a pick and a player for someone who actually make, makes this team better in the long run, I'm all for it. Who that player is going to be, I mean, there's so many players in the league. You know, it's it's difficult to say. The one player that I would love on this team is uh, the Dallas Stars center, Rope Hintz. Uh, it's probably, I, I was a big probably, fan of Rupe Hintz. I don't know how he's doing this season, but from it's years probably back. probably not going to happen, but I think Rupe Hintz would be perfect for this team. Other players that I would love to acquire are players that really bring that pace. You know, if there's one thing this team needs, it's the players that have the ability to skate into the zone cleanly. And I've been I've been harping on this for weeks. Um, we saw it against the LA Kings. Adrian Kempe and Rasmus Kupari did it time and time again against us. So if you acquire one of those, great. Oh, yeah. Hintz is having a roughly point per game uh, this season. Uh, yeah, I don't see him being I mean, dealt. It's, it's, it's difficult, but any player can be traded. You know, you just have to offer enough to get him. I agree with you in the sense that the Rangers are really going to start giving away assets and of significance. This is, the type so of, this, this is the type of route I want them to go down versus, yeah. say, going for grizzled vets of rentals that who knows how long they're actually going to be on the club. There's, you know? no, there's, no, there's no incentive to go for a guy like Joe Pavelski. Um, yeah. And, and, and that it's interesting you bring Pavelski up because I've been I had that conversation with my brother because mm -hmm. he asked me about Pavelski and Giroux the other day and he said which one would I prefer and I said well Pavelski I'm like Pavelski's older but Pavelski if you if you're trying to make an acquisition for someone to benefit you in playoffs he is one thousand percent that guy he has a net front presence yeah. like Ryder and is playing far above expectations for a guy that's like thirty seven thirty eight already but in saying that. Do you really want to cough up, even if it's a latter half first round pick? Do you really want to do that for someone that is not going to have a long lasting future on your club? I just, I, I'm so against that Sather mentality because I was so used to it for really. Yeah. I would yeah. say, you know, a, a very, for my entire life as a Ranger fan up until they started the rebuild, I, I'm sick of that notion. I feel like if you go back to that uh, route at where the Rangers are today, I don't think it benefits your club enough to justify what you parted with. If this is a couple of years from now, maybe even next season, depending on how much the Rangers have progressed since then, that's a different discussion. You know, there is always a time and a place to part ways yeah. with prospects and picks. I do not think that this is the time for that caliber of a player. I do think, however, it is the time if you're going after someone who's young and controllable and can be your long-lasting centerman like a Rupe yeah. Hintz. 
That's justifiable. Yeah, that's, and, that's, and for me, that's the thing. You know, if the Rangers want to go after a guy at the deadline, I am okay with two scenarios. Either you go after a guy that doesn't cost you a first or a top prospect, like a middle six guy like like Fiala. Yeah. You know, or Kala Yarncroke or I don't know, uh, Arturo Lekonen. I'm okay with that. You know, you give up maybe a second, more likely a third round pick. You solidify your lineup so you don't have to rely on AHL call-ups to help you in, in, in the playoffs if you suffer one injury. I get that. That I'm on board with. I'm also on board with acquiring a player at the deadline where you do give up a first-round pick, where maybe you do give up a guy like Zach Jones, Nils Lundqvist, maybe Brennan Hoffman, maybe Will Cooley. But my condition is that it has to be a player that's under contract for a couple more years where you acquire a player at the deadline. Yes, but he's going to be on your team for at least a couple more years, or at the very least return something in the future. If you do decide to trade him away, I am not in the mood to see Chris Drury trading away a first round pick or one of those top assets for a guy that's only going to be here for two months. That I'm completely against. You know, this team is not the 2015 Chicago Blackhawks where you trade away a first-round pick for Antoine Vermette and you go all in. This team is this team is not one player away from winning a cup. This team is one player away from making the second round, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that one. And again, the Rangers may prove us wrong this year. And I will be so happy if they do. I rather mm-hmm. that we go in with low expectations and yep. then, you know, outplay what we expect. Because realistically, this is the beginning of their new era, if you will, right? With yep. this core group. So, yeah, I agree with you on that one for sure. But uh, now I think is a perfect time. Let's pivot and get into the upcoming schedule because uh, by time next time we dis- we discuss things, the Rangers will have played four games. So, I'm excited. Rangers have a bunch of games coming up, some big ones, a mix of different teams in the sense of, you know, some very exciting teams, some teams that aren't so exciting, but still all all teams that when the Rangers have played this year outside of one because they haven't played this one team, uh, you know, they've had some close games with. So starting off is tonight, the 19th against the Toronto Maple Leafs at home. Uh, that's going to be a big game. Maple Leafs have had a very good season, very similar to the Rangers. They've had some very good goaltending too. And Jack Campbell, who I thought was a great pickup when they did it, and I preached to Leafs fans, I said, this is going to be your long-term starting goaltender. You're going to part ways with Frederick Anderson. It's going to happen. They didn't believe me. Of course, then it happened. And now Anderson's doing great things for the Carolina Hurricanes, who the Rangers will play for the first time this season on the 21st away in Carolina. That's going to be a huge game against all those former Rangers, more than I can count on my hand right now, literally. And then they have a back-to-back. Then they go back home on the 22nd against the Arizona Coyotes, who the Rangers should not have had nearly as close games against this season as they have. Uh, And then they finish off uh, things before we discuss again on the 24th, that being against the LA Canes at home. Rangers looking to rebound after losing against the Canes in LA just a couple of days ago back on the 10th. So, Steven, four games coming up, very interesting games. They all have, you know, their own unique aspect to them. If I'll let you go first, considering you technically won the belt, if you will. So what do we mean technically? No, technically. I won the belt. Yes, there's yes, no, there's yeah. no technicality. Yes, yes. Same way that jinxes don't exist, right? Get get out of here. Just just make your pick. Well, go jinxes on. don't exist. I've proven it's, that. Steven, like, Steven, I've proven that more than one. 
so first of all, if people go to the game against the LA Kings, keep an eye on Adrian Kempe, please. He's I've always liked Kempe. Always he's a delight Kempe. to watch. Yeah. Um also Toronto Maple Leafs goaltender uh Campbell. Yep. You know what he, you know what what fans chant when he makes a save? Soup. Soup. It's amazing. I love yep. it. <laughs> anyway, uh so Maple Leafs, Hurricanes, Coyotes, Kings. Oof. I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna be positive for one. I'm gonna go two one and one. Oh, that's what I was gonna pick. All right. Oh, oh. All right. Um. Hmm. Two, one, and one. Shit. Uh, <laughs> um, let me think for a second. This is taking way too long. Come on. I know. I know. All right. All right. All right. Okay. I'm gonna go three and one. I'm gonna go three okay. and one. Three, one, and zero. Oh. I'm right. gonna. I'm gonna stay on the optimistic side as well. Are you pick uh, the amount of goals you think the Rangers are going to score? Um, four games. They do play the Coyotes at home. That's a tough one. Four games. Uh, I'm going to go with 12. Oh, perfect. Perfect. I was going to take the over, so I'll just go 13. You, oh, you, you, you say you say me there. I think you went a little generous for a team that, when we look at the Rangers, uh, going back to the second at Tampa, they scored four goals, four goals, um, four goals. How many goals did they score in the last four games? Last four games, they've scored eleven. Set. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, last four, they've scored eleven. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I'll go thirteen. Yep. All right. All right. Awesome. We'll see. We'll see Perfect. if you can retake the belt. I don't think you're going to, but okay. Well, you know, crazier things have happened. I, I'm feeling juiced up. A big UFC fight card is happening this weekend, so I'm I'm ready to win the championship. It's got to happen. Watched, listen, I have watched one UFC fight ever, and I was so pissed off because my friends and I stayed up until four, and it was over in twelve seconds. Was that the McGregor fight? No, it wasn't Conor McGregor. It was some 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 Hispanic guy who got okay. knocked out. Okay, yeah, it happened. Maybe it was McGregor, but the guy that was knocked out was was a Hispanic guy, I think. Okay, well, he did knock out Jose Aldo just in a couple seconds. That's the one. Yes, Aldo. Yep. That's the that, one. That was that was like the most iconic win of Conor's career to this point. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can I believe we stayed up until five a.m. You don't understand how much history you witnessed in that fight. So don't be no, pissed we off. Didn't, we didn't because we were playing FIFA until like 4.55 a.m. Oh, so you're a schmuck. You just wait to the, to the to the main event, like the actual main fight, not even the main card, just the last fight. I didn't even pay for it. I just found <laughs> the screen online. All right, fair enough, fair enough. You know, okay. Now, yeah. to wrap things up, it is episode 45, yep. which means... How many players can you name? I there was one that popped in my head that wasn't in my head because you named him earlier. Um, that is Aaron Asham. I remember Aaron Asham, the Metropolitan Great. I played literally in every team on the only player, only player to play for all five teams in the Atlantic Division. That's crazy. So crazy. Um, so Aaron Asham, Brain Schneider. Oh, thank God for that one. And 
the one that I think would stump a lot of Ranger fans, but I liked him when he was a Ranger. I don't know why. Former Shark great James Shepard. So, oh, James Shepard, who now plays in Vienna, by the way, for the Vienna Capitals. Oh, wow. Very cool. Yeah, yeah I yeah, cannot no, believe no. I missed that by, by like a couple of months. Wow. All right, go the ahead. last Ranger to play for the Vienna Capitals before James Shepard was a goalie, by the way. Okay. With the same initials as Matt Zuccarello and Mika Zibanejad. Wait. Who? Matt Zaba. I, I, I would, I would not have known that. <laughs> anyway, um, so players that play with number forty-five for the Rangers. I'm going to start off by saying not Capo Caco. Because Capo Caco used it in the preseason. It's not an official game. It doesn't count. I'm glad it's, I didn't say him because I was contemplating it. <laughs> it's Braden Schneider, uh, Magnus Helberg. Oh, James Helberg. Helberg. Wow. Jim Shepard, Aaron Asham, Chris Newberry, who I also mentioned. And you didn't write I, that I don't. One. I don't know Newberry well enough to know that. Jody Shelley, Dimitri Kalinin, Steve Valiquette. Yep, in 2003-2004. Okay. And the first Ranger to ever wear number 45 before he switched to number 5. He wore number 45 for only five games, Dale Purinton. Interesting. Yeah, Valley. I should have known that one. That's the, that's the only one that kind of bothers me that I didn't have him on top of my head. Valakat started out as number 35 for the Islanders. Then went to number 40 for the Oilers. And then he went to 45 for the Rangers. And then the following, like after the lockout, he changed to uh, 40. Yeah, because so, I don't I don't remember Valley as 45. No. So just to check in, in 03 or 04, which player had number 40 that, that blocked him from getting his number? UC Markinen. All right. Interesting. Breaking news right as we end episode 45 of Rangers Review. Alexi Lafreniere has cleared COVID protocol and Morgan Barron has been assigned to the taxi squad. So both a positive and a negative simultaneously. And that is where we are going to finish off this episode. So I want to thank everyone so much for chiming in wherever you get your podcasts, whether you listen live here or on replay. Thank you guys so much for chiming in. One more thing, please. Go ahead, Steven. Greg McKegg has bigger plot armor than Frodo in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and that'll do it, folks. All right, we'll be back here probably next Tuesday, probably next Tuesday or Wednesday. I do have a hectic schedule uh, this upcoming week, so we'll see when we get it. But we'll definitely make sure to record prior to the Columbus and Minnesota and Seattle games. So thank you again, folks. Always appreciate everyone's support wherever you get your podcast. Leave a nice review if you would be so inclined, if you enjoyed episode 45 of Ringers Review. And that'll be it. All right, I'll talk to you guys soon. Steven, let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers.